The mistaken identity experience you know and love is now even better on Patreon. A big shout out to everyone who has already joined us over there, but thanks to a new round of updates to the platform, listeners have so many new reasons to join the party or dive back in on the app. For those of you who already have the app, you can't help but be impressed by some of these changes. The whole thing has become more intuitive and has made searching for your favorite content even easier, creating your own little world for your favorite creators just like us. And the biggest addition to the mistaken identity world is community chats. This is for sure the biggest element of the new Patreon rollout and the one we're most excited about as well because it's going to bring us closer to you. These new community chats, like most of these new features, are only available through the Patreon app, and these chats give our fans a space to talk to us and each other in real time outside of any traditional comment section. You can discuss our latest work, give feedback, ask questions directly to us, and react any old way that you please. This is on top of all the Patreon-exclusive content we already offer, like the video version of the unedited podcasts, behind-the-scenes looks at show production, and exclusive content drops way in advance of our mainstream channels. And the best part is that you can get all this starting at just $1 a month. So open up the app and look us up by searching Mistaken Identity Media, or just follow the link directly in the show notes to get started today. You can also download the Patreon app itself for free directly from the Google Play or Apple App Store to unlock the full VIP experience. However you consume Mistaken Identity Media, we thank you for the support and hope you enjoy the show. To so many people, you know, lifelong uh, Cubs fans, it's our happy place. It doesn't feel like a year without going to Wrigley Field, and you guys are amazing at what you do. And that's the thing, is that the Wrigley employees are always so helpful. They go beyond. When you see the same faces, year after year after year in the same sections, it makes you feel, it all feels like family that you're going to a place like it's a little family reunion. Every family member and friend who comes to that I take to a Cubs game or I take on a Wrigley Field tour because there's nothing better to do to be in Chicago and you all made that possible. Like I said, these are not just employees in my opinion, they're like family. I've brought people from all over the world, all over the country, people that don't like baseball. They love Wrigley Field. And we have you guys to thank for that. Welcome to Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. We explore the fascinating personal lives of the people inside Chicago's most iconic sports venue, Wrigley Field. Our podcast will take you on an amazing journey, introducing you to some incredible people that we've met along the way. We'll discuss hot topics, play a few games, and just try to have an overall good time. There'll be plenty of surprises along the way, so stick with us to see where our journey heads next. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Thinking the Indie Beyond the Ballpark, where we talk to somebody who works at Wrigley Field, not about business, but about their personal life. And I am excited to have uh, who I can call an author, who we're going to discuss all about with on the podcast today, uh, David Hayward. How's it going, David? 
I'm doing very well. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, inviting me. No problem. Now, for the ones that don't know uh, who work for the Cubs, most of our audience are Cubs staff. Some of them are fans. For the Cubs staff, they may not see you because of what department you're in. Tell everybody what you do at Wrigley Field. Um, so I'm a usher in the premier area, work uh, right near the uh, visitor's dugout, and uh, just have a blast with the fans and uh, make sure everybody's having a good time, and uh, it's great. I actually got a chance to go to the club game a couple of weeks ago and sat in the barrel room, barrel room seats uh, yes. on the visitors dug outside. Uh, my first time ever sitting on that side. It's a very different perspective on that side compared to the other side, believe it or not, right? Sure, yeah. Um, right down um, 1914 uh, seats outside and um, right about first baseline, or right down, looking at first base, that gate that goes out on the field uh, between the dugout and the on-deck circle for the visiting team. So, yeah. And I see here that you are uh, full of jokes, apparently. Uh, you have a new joke every day. So uh, tell me how you come up with the joke for today. <laughs> oh, um, let me see. So some of the other ushers have uh, pretty good jokes. I can... Um, but I'll just tease the fans about, um, you know, like if they're walking along and they have a Padres jersey on, I'll say, you know, I want to let you know that you could trade that jersey in at the Cubs store today and you get 50% off. And uh, they always laugh. It's usually pretty good. Yes. I might have to steal that. I like that, actually. I might have to use that one. You know, if I see somebody with, uh, you know, like a, Dodgers jersey on. I said, how'd you get in here with that? You know, and, uh, but, you know, they laugh, they have a good time. You know, I tell some of the kids, you know, with their looking at their phones, walking along, I say, you know, the Cubs are going to turn off the Wi-Fi once the game starts. And uh, they're not sure the parents are wish. But, right, uh, right. Yeah, it's always yeah. fun. Now, you were with the Cubs for five seasons. Yes. Uh, so tell me, how did you hear about the Cubs job and what made you apply for it? Well, so I re had retired and Elise Novak, if you remember her, yeah. just a wonderful yeah. soul, you know, and um, we miss her. But uh, I had been friends with her and her husband for years, 10 years or more. And she called and said, um, hey, they're looking for some ushers at Wrigley Field. You should apply. And uh, I wasn't so sure, but I said, okay, you know, give it a shot and uh, applied for the position and interviewed. And I got very lucky that uh, where I ended up. So very happy about it. Now, I, uh, in my research for you, um, so I was impressed to find out that you were uh, part of the military. Uh, you had a job with it. Tell us about that. Um, when I got out of the military? Yes. Okay. So when I got out of the military, I worked as a, a draftsman at nuclear nuclear power plants around the country. And um, I had maybe a month left in the military and in the Marine Corps. And I went across the street to apply for a job at San Onofre nuclear power plant. And the guard there at the gate, you know, all um, military press uniforms, 357 Magnum, you know, the whole thing. And um, he said, well, I, I don't think they're hiring, kid, you know, and 
because I was going to go to school, go to college, finish my degree at night, and um, just looking to be a, a security guard there. And uh, he said, oh, they're not hiring, kid. And if they are, you got to go to L.A. anyway. So I turned and walked away. And he said, well, what, what else can you do? And I said, I'm a, I can draft. I can draw. I'm a draftsman. And he said, well, go on in and say, I'm not sure if they're hiring. I, that man has no idea how much of an impact he has made on my entire life. And I went in, applied, you know, uh, interviewed, was accepted for a position as an isometric piping draftsman. And I said, well, what is that? I have no idea. And uh, so they gave me my start and uh, worked around to probably about seven nuclear power plants, I think. And uh, it was good. It was it was a great, great experience. And that really led me into the opportunity to get into State Farm Insurance uh, in the building design and construction department. Well, who knew about that? They were building claim centers one one a month. They were just turning the key, you know, in those days. And uh, so that and that helped me to um, work into training and development in human resources. So it was a quite a, a great path, and it was all really started from that man saying, "Well, what else can you do?" So uh, now us us um, laymen who are not into the uh, military, when we hear the word, when we hear working at a nuclear power plant, we're all afraid of the idea of being around or exposed to it. Um, so tell us what 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 is it like to work at a Nuclear power. When, when I hear that, I think of oh my god, I can't drink the water. I can't, like, I can't breathe the air. Like, so just tell me, tell us for those that don't know, what is it actually like at a nuclear well? Power? Sure. So the um, most of the plants that I worked on were under construction, you know, so that wasn't so bad, right? And it was, um, but it was very interesting. All of the instrumentation that really went into play, everything is, uh, you know over supported way it's designed and very clean facility and of course you know the active uh, power plants are um, very clean very secure you know running you know very smoothly um, so i think that um, when they're under construction of course you can imagine i mean it is just a huge construction project and it can go you know when you first time you walk into the uh reactor area it is pretty nerve-wracking but i mean there's no fuel there and um but it's everything is you can see it all developing and it, just a, a good group of people very conscientious so okay that's great now so how do we get from nuclear power plants to uh human resources to the author well so as i um went into um, into human resources, as I said, you know, I went to building design and construction at State Farm Insurance, and then I went to a uh, a class, like every good employee does, right? Go to some training, and I could not believe that these. I could not believe that they were paying that person to stand up there and teach his class. I said, really? So that's what I want to do. And so I worked my way into some smaller training classes and then interviewed and was hired in the education and development uh, unit at State Farm in that department and taught a lot of communications courses and business writing and um, 
So writing has always been, you know, in my, my passion. And, uh, you know, I've written a few articles, just technical articles um, here and there, but nothing, you know, widely published at all. And, uh, but it's been my, my passion to, to do this. And I think that human resources really just continued to develop me and open me up, open my personality up and, uh, you know, that freedom, imagination to, uh, you know, make this dream come true. Now, you know, I've always said to myself, I went with the Cubs since 94. I've been, everybody said, hey, you should write a book. You've seen it all. You've seen everything. And I thought to myself, this is like a huge task to <laughs> write a book. Like, I just couldn't even imagine myself. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Uh, so there was no, you weren't intimidated by the idea of uh, writing a book at first or um, there was no hesitation in it. It was just sort of, let's do it. Yeah. A um, couple things. One, you know, I was just something I was going to do. And I had my mindset on it. Um, I, a couple things, the way you start is you start with the ending. Right? And so I had talked to, I'd called uh, one of the board members at the Chicago Writers Association and asked him if he would serve as a mentor to me. And he said, well, you don't, you don't need a mentor. What you need to do is read, read your favorite authors, look at their um, style, what do you like? What do you want to um, apply that really fits well with, uh, with me? And so I did. I went back and read a lot of Raymond Chandler uh, novels. He's 1930s. He's been around and very, very, very detail-oriented. So when a the reader, um, read, and the character walks into a room, and the way Chandler would describe the room in excellent detail, um, when that character walks in that room, the reader walks in that room with them. And uh, so that was something that really impressed me. And, and of course, Hemingway with the sentence, sentence structure and uh, his detail, attention detail. What really intimidated me was dialogue. Um, I thought, I, how am I going to make a right conversation between two people? And um, once it started rolling, though, um, it was just natural. And I just just enjoyed it once I, I had my ending. And so I'm so excited to get to the end of the story leading up to it that everything sort of falls into place. And uh, when I started this, we, we can talk more about that. But um, as far as it intimidating me, it... Um, you know, and they said that authors, you know, there are days when you, it's never going to get published. There's days when I'm never going to write this. And there's days like, man, this is great. Uh, I'm impressed with my own work here. You know, so it's a, it's a roller coaster sometimes, but, um, but it's worth it. You keep plugging away and I can get up at five in the morning and I can write a thousand words before noon, before lunch. If I start writing at 1.30, I might write 150 words for the rest of the day. So, okay. uh, yeah, you have to know what, what's your best time. Now, so tell me about your first novel. I know you dip into the, the romance uh, category, which I know is a heavily female demographic, but tell me about your first novel. So um, I did, as you mentioned, uh, I did think about writing a romance novel. That was what I was setting out to do. And I thought, you know, a, a male 
in uh, entering into that genre and um, into that market uh, demographics. And so as I started writing, uh, the romance novel turned into a murder mystery. So I'm not sure what that says about romance. But, uh, but it, it was great because then I, I, you know, stereotyped a bit as far as uh, the Italian uh, culture, romance, right? And uh, most romantic culture in the world. So I started with a couple. My, my idea was to uh, have this uh, uh, couple that developed this relationship and go through this um, uh, romance. And it turned into um, this murder mystery that, because some of the research that I did was, and this is what really repositioned me as well, is that some of the research I did was that in the demographics of those who like romance novels, um, they today like mystery and intrigue in their romance novels. Not just a, a bunch of romance, it's really, they got to try to figure out what happened in this, in this story. So that really turned my uh, direction, my novel into that murder mystery. And it just became more and more exciting uh, as I went along. And uh, it, it was great. And just how it, it took off. You know, I did some research on the uh, Italian um, uh, culture of the development of the, when, uh, how they sought jobs and work in the United States where they settled. Not to my surprise, it was in West Virginia and I, I couldn't believe it. So I started doing some more research about that and they ended up, um, came for a lot of the coal mining uh, jobs. Uh, it was a smooth transition for them a couple of generations ago and then to carpentry and masons. And, uh, and then now as it's developed into, you know, professional, um, positions, computer programmers and doctors and scientists. And, um, so as I ended up in West Virginia, um, which I was totally unexpected, and it's funny how the story really evolves on its own. And, uh, you know, some will say you follow the story. And, um, and it was really exciting. I would laugh at times as to how okay. things fell into place. And uh, so now here we're in West Virginia. And I thought, well, West Virginia, you know, we need a sheriff in West Virginia. Yeah. And so uh, all of a sudden my protagonist became uh, the sheriff and uh, the romantic Italian couple still there. But the uh, the sheriff comes into play and the story takes off from there. Okay. Now, I'm curious uh, with with books and authors, do you all come up with the title of the book last or the title of the book first? Or do you come up with multiple titles? I'm always curious as to how did you come up with the title of your book? That's a good question. Um, so I did have a couple of titles um, in that I had thought through for a bit. And then I think as it, the story developed and it became, you know, this precious possessions. You know, I knew that it was going to be um, a lucky man, the, the Cody Gunn is the main character and lucky man. So I knew it's going to be a lucky man uh, series. But in all honesty as well, is that 
listening to music and different uh, music, all of a sudden, you know, you come up with, um, oh, that's, that's great. I, I could splice some of that. So I use this, came up with your precious possessions. And that can mean many things, right? You know, yeah. to people, it could be gold. It could be, who knows, you know, your, anything that you um, possess that you want to have. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, uh, it's, so it has a, a good, mysterious meaning to it. And so I think uh, the reader will enjoy to find out what the precious possessions really are. Okay. Uh, now, I understand that your book is coming out on audiobook this week, recording on the week of August the 1st. Um, what was it like doing the audiobook? Very exciting. And, and it was great because, uh, of course, I you know, know nothing about it. So it, it's a lot of fun research. And that is intimidating at first. So I, I put a lot of time. Uh, more time into it than I really needed, probably. But the fun thing is, um, I was able to audition like six different narrators. And then I would respond to them. And I would listen to multiple narrators, their auditions, but then I would uh, narrow it down to six, and then narrow it down to two. And um, because I wanted to get the voice of my protagonist, and uh, and then the range. What type of range do the do the uh, narrators have? Um, so um, audible. Um, and I, you know, a lot of this I went through Amazon, um, the Kindle, uh, Amazon Direct Publishing, and uh, so and they made it pretty easy and made that transition to Audible, and that's one of them. Uh, their resources. Um, so. Interesting enough, though, that when I looked at the photographs later of the narrators, the two top narrators that I had selected would never have thought that those voices matched that person. And I would have had them flipped. And uh, so that was pretty neat. I'm impressed that uh, people can uh, have that talent. Uh, So... Um, so we have a we have a mistaken identity book club um, that is on hi- hi- hiatus during the season, uh, but we pick it up uh, when the season is over. It's mostly uh, club staff and supervisors. Um, I believe this would be the perfect book for us to uh, start back with. Uh, we'll get All right. our club back uh, when the season during the off season. But can you tell people how they can find your book? Yeah. So. I think one of the easiest ways is to go uh, Amazon.com and, uh, and Kindle Publishing. If you're looking for a paperback, you can find it there in Amazon or the uh, ebook for you know for Kindle and um, the uh, audiobook now as well. And then Audible. Many people have uh, you know I guess uh, memberships with Audible and. Um, so that would be another way to access it as well. Um, so it's 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 great. Okay. Yeah, so if you are watching this, that means that you're a Patreon supporter. Thanks for your support. We're gonna have a link down in the bottom of this description that you can click on to go for the book. Uh, and we definitely will try to get this book to be the first book in our book club when we return uh, after the clubs win the World Series. Yes, yeah. So we'll uh, uh we'll have that for you all to do. If you're not on Patreon and you're listening to this, the audio version of this on the podcast, 
there still will be a link for you to go and click on so that you can go and check out this book on uh, Amazon. And if you're not on Patreon and listening to this, want to be a part of the book club, hop over to patreon.com slash mistaken identity podcast and you can support us for just a dollar one dollar a month and be a part of the book club and you can watch these episodes and you can see right. my great face david's great face all uh, right other people on there so david any parting words for any of your cubs family and those that are watching and listen to the podcast yeah so two things one is yes. to go to your precious possessions and it's david f and H-A-W-O-R-T-H, Your Precious Possessions, David F. Hayward. Um, so, you know, I started off saying that this was a romance novel and then turned into a murder mystery, but it really is still about love. You know, it's about the love that the lucky few will find and it's about the love that what some people will do to hold on to love and what some others will do in the name of love. And so it's, um, it blends very well into a murder mystery and uh, still very, there's a lot of romance in there and uh, as there should be. So a friend of mine said that she's a fellow author of 25 books. She said, without romance, there is no story. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think, I hope everyone will enjoy it and more than happy to, if anyone wanted to reach out to me uh, with any questions, I'd be happy to answer that. All right, and we'll put your. How can they find you on social media? All right, well, I am on Facebook, of course. Uh, David F. Hayworth once again, so it's uh, on uh, my Facebook page. I also have a an author, David F. Hayworth author. I have a uh, my website that is um, out there as well. You can find me through that, and of course, you know, Cubs employees, you know that uh, that group there is. Uh, Always a great way to connect. And if fans that are not employees are watching this, I want to see where Wrigley Field, they can come down to what aisle again? What section are you at? Yeah, come down to section 22. I'm at the aisle right at the end of the uh, visitor's dugout. Um, no, I won't let you uh, jump into the <laughs> dugout or onto the field. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't come down and uh, don't ever put anything on the dugout because that's right. uh, bad luck, right? Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, please come over to Section 22 uh, in the lower bowl there and, and say hello. I would love it. Yeah, so we'll have all the links uh, to the book, to his um, social media, all the good stuff down below. And then when the season is over and our book club starts back out on Patreon, we'll announce uh, when we're going to start that. And that'll be David's book as well. David, thank you so much for giving oh. your time uh, today. And thank you all for checking out this episode. And we'll catch you all on the next episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Bar Park. Thank you all. Very good. Thank you, Frank. Hey, guys. If you're hearing my voice here again, that means we've reached the end of the show. It's that time again for all the thank yous and special messages and disclaimers. You know, all the stuff you really tune in for each week. A big thank you yet again to all of our supporters who not only continue to tune into our show, but take the time to hit the like button, write reviews, and share our content on social media. It all really helps us grow our audience. Our Patreon page continues to thrive as well as we're working not only on the podcast, but the Roku channel and the book club and on and on and on. If you'd like to be a part of that expanding mistaken identity experience, follow the link in our show notes to our Patreon page or go to patreon.com and search mistaken identity podcast for all the ways you can sign up to access this multitude of additional content. 
Mistaken Identity is also now a part of the Unconfined Network, which is a home to many podcasts whose hosts have met inside the walls of Wrigley Field. To check out the network's other show offerings, head to unconfinednetwork.com. That's all one word, unconfinednetwork.com, to view all of our shows and their catalogs. Shouts out to Frank Walker, Jesse Graham, and Jordan Burks for their continued efforts both in front and behind the scenes to keep Mistaken Identity rolling along every week. And of course, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. This is Joe Flaherty for the Mistaken Identity Podcast saying stay safe, and we'll catch you next time beyond the ballpark. Thank you.